Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Friday, January 21st, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and we will start with the biggest story in college basketball from Thursday night, which was Penny Hardaway's F-word-filled press conference that followed Memphis's latest disappointing loss, this time an eight-point loss at home to SMU. It was a game they were favored to win by six. Jeff Calkins, you know Jeff Calkins, longtime columnist in Memphis, now at the Daily Memphian. He asked Penny after the game if he has ever lost faith that he can get it done at Memphis and whether he's ever embarrassed when the Tigers, for instance, only scored two points in the first nine minutes of a nationally televised game against an SMU team that isn't even a good defensive team. Among other things, Penny told Calkins to stop asking him stupid effing questions. Here's what it sounded like. I think the one thing I can say to this media, because this media gets kind of up sometimes when it comes to me, we don't have our full roster. Y'all know we don't have our full roster. Stop asking me stupid questions about if I feel like I can do something. If I had my roster like they did, then I feel like I can do whatever I want to do. I'm coaching really hard. My boys are playing really hard. I'm not embarrassed about nothing. We have four freshmen starting. Y'all need to act like it. Act like we got 17, 18, and 19-year-olds out here trying to learn how to play against 22, 23, and 24-year-old guys. Come on, man. Stop disrespecting me, bro. Like, don't do that. I work too hard. I work way too hard for that. Y'all write all these articles about me, and all I do is work. We got young kids on the floor. They got young kids on the floor. Deadleg, your thoughts. <laughs> it's coming apart in Memphis, man. The, these kinds of press conferences are often, not always, but they are often indicators that an end could be near. Uh, completely unacceptable by Penny Hardaway, man. I'm going to state the obvious here, but you're the one responsible for the roster. Yeah, there's injury issues. Just earlier this week, I talked to another coach in your league down in Texas, Kelvin Sampson at Houston. Awesome again, 16-2. and two. Doesn't have two of his three best players for the remainder of the season, and it hasn't slowed that Houston program whatsoever. Talked to Sampson about these same exact issues. There's no excuses. Now, obviously, I caught Sampson in a good mood after they pasted South Florida earlier in the week, you know, less than an hour after that game finished. Penny's going to be pissed because they lost again. This thing is spiraled out of control, but he's the one that put this roster together. Doesn't even have one of his coaches anymore. Rasheed Wallace is no longer an acting assistant coach. It's not working. And normally Memphis wouldn't even be worth kind of getting into. And in fact, we kind of briefly debated even doing it, but then Penny Hardaway in his post-game conferences, uh, post-game press conference, he solidified it for us because this, all this does is sheds more light on how much dysfunction is happening. Yeah, I understand that. The Tigers don't have their full allotment of players. Yes, they are loaded up with freshmen. By the way, a couple of which will be NBA picks. Jalen Duran will be in the lottery. Amani Bates, whenever he goes, 
I mean, he hasn't looked like a first-round pick to this point, but give him a little more time. But you still recruited them to this roster. You built it. It's on you. You have not yet coached in the NCAA tournament. You haven't had an NCAA tournament-level team. You still don't have an NCAA tournament-level team. So uh, Penny Hardaway choosing to go after the media, it, you know, it's not the media's fault that the team's in the spot that it's in, man. And I know not of all of it's Penny's fault because of the injury situations. I get all that, but boy, this is not a good look. So those are my quick thoughts. I'd like yours. And I would also like to ask you just by, by pure nature of where you're at. I mean, you're sitting in your house in Mississippi, just a stone's throw away from the Memphis um, city limits here. Like, I don't know. I don't think this is an overreaction. Like, Paris, is there a chance that we could actually see a coaching change within the next eight to ten weeks at that program where we think they'll go with Penny for at least one more season? Because stuff like this, these kind of pressers, I mean, they certainly reveal plenty of uh, of issues. And I know Penny was probably venting, but I don't know, man. Like, it's 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 getting worse by the by the week here. It is getting worse by the week. Um, I, I suppose there's a chance there could be a coaching change. I would not anticipate that. I wouldn't bet on it. Um, this is a, a, a cash-strapped athletic department. They, they A, don't want to fire Penny Hardaway, and B, I don't even know if they got the money to do it. And so I think the most likely scenario is that they just write it out and hope that, you know, year five is different than year one, two, three, and four. Um, at this point, obviously, people are losing optimism. Um, you know, some of the hardcore um, are, are starting to lose faith understandably so um but i I'll, I'll be surprised i guess i'd put it this way if penny hardaway wants to be the coach at memphis next season i'm gonna assume that he's gonna be the coach at memphis next season but if there's another season like this season um year six probably wouldn't follow year five uh, the problem with penny pointing out that if he had his full roster he believes he would be able to do whatever he wanted to do is that he had his full roster for a good portion of the season. The first 10 games, they started six and four. They were six and four with their full roster with losses to Georgia on the road. Murray stayed at home and shorthanded or not Memphis has been favored at tip-off in all eight games that the Tigers have lost, including last night. At tip-off, they were still a six-point favorite, even shorthanded. They've lost this season to East Carolina and Tulane. You know, Penny still had Landers Nolly, Earl Timberlake, Lester Quinones, Tyler Harris, Alex Lomax, and Josh Minot at Tulane. Lost. Still had Jalen Dern, Amani Bates, Earl Timberlake, Lester Quinones, Josh Minot, Tyler Harris at East Carolina, lost. Like, here's the question people are asking. Shouldn't having three projected first-round NBA draft picks be enough to beat East Carolina? That's all anybody's asking. Got it, shorthanded. Still got guys who have shown up in the first round of mock drafts, three of them available. Shouldn't you be able to win against that caliber of competition. Memphis has now lost to four sub-120 Ken Palm teams. Ole Miss, which is ranked 122nd. Tulane, 132nd. East Carolina, 154th. Georgia, 222nd. Georgia's 5-13 and overall, 0-5 in the SEC. The Bulldogs have lost to East Tennessee State, Gardner-Webb. Still beat full-strength Memphis. 
Among other things, Penny said last night, as you heard, is, quote, we have four freshmen starting. Y'all need to act like it. First, he, he didn't start four freshmen. That's just not true. Okay. Also good to know. <laughs> he, started, he, he, start, he started three freshmen, plus a 21-year-old sophomore and a 21-year-old junior. And I'm not saying they're not going up against 24-year-olds. There's just not that many. To, 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 to phrase that as though they're on a nightly basis, the opposing starting lineup is just you know, peppered with 23 and 24-year-olds. Again, he's, he's embellishing the point. He didn't start four freshmen. But even if he did, like that's his decision. You make the roster, you make the starting lineup. If you don't want to be this reliant on freshmen, I don't know, maybe prioritize older players in the transfer portal rather than a 17-year-old Imani Bates. Like the missteps are undeniably starting to add up. You know, Penny didn't enroll a high major point guard in advance of this season, which left Alex Lomax as the only real point guard on the roster. And he's just not good enough. Penny didn't anticipate the possible chemistry issues that could arise by adding two five-star freshmen very late in the calendar who were going to take minutes and shots away from the two guys who were the best two players on last season's team, DeAndre Williams and Landers Nolly. He didn't focus at all on getting his players vaccinated in advance of this season, which led to contact tracing, not breakthrough cases, but contact tracing of unvaccinated players costing Memphis games and making them play shorthanded. He hired an apparent anti-vaxxer in Rashid Wallace as an assistant coach. Now he's no longer an assistant coach reportedly because of his refusal to get vaccinated. You know, when the Tigers lost early, Penny said it was because the veterans weren't doing their jobs. When they lose now, he says it's because he doesn't have those veterans. It's just a a lot of excuses. Meantime, like you pointed out, Houston lost two of its top four scores for the season, still hasn't lost a game in this same crummy league. Kelvin Sampson's Cougars are on an eight-game winning streak, lost two of the top four, no excuses, just keep winning. Bottom line, it's a mess, and it's getting messier by the day. Everybody in Memphis wants Penny to succeed. But the same people who campaigned for him to get this job are obviously and understandably starting to lose confidence. As they should. At this point, barring another press conference, I mean, Memphis is now, they've gone from interesting to a bit of a tire fire to outright mess to this might be the last thing. I mean, nine and eight, irrelevant. Unless there's going to be more press conference clips to share and to react to, or something significant, you know, on the newswire connected to Duran or Bates. This is it, you know. Memphis is irrelevant. It actually hasn't been this way under Penny uh, previously. Twenty-two and fourteen, year one. Twenty-one and ten, and would have been an NIT team, not quite tournament worthy. Twenty twenty, year two. Last season, twenty and eight, does well for itself, all things considered. Wins the NIT tournament. Normally, you actually see. I didn't get a chance to look this up in time before our podcast, but normally if a team wins the NIT and brings back, you know, a decent portion of its roster the following season, those, that usually precludes, uh, you know, portends that that team is going to make the jump, make the leap, be an NCAA tournament team. It's not the case here. Uh, Memphis was an elite defensive unit a season ago. 
that's completely withered away. This team is inept on both ends of the floor there. And Penny Hardaway just can't figure it out. So next up is at Tulsa on Sunday. It's a road game uh, followed by a return against East Carolina, whatever. At this point, you know, just not a relevant team. Like there's no, there's almost no reason to talk about this group anymore. It's, it's, I can't believe we reached this point with this team this season, but that's where we're at. And Penny Hardaway uh, fell into the trap that, you know, many have before and many will continue down the road. Like I understand when you're in a high pressure situation at a high profile institution with a team with plenty of talent, a lot of expectations, you're going to hit a point where you just get sick of dealing with the media and the things that are written about you or said about you, uh, they wear on you. Don't blame Penny Hardaway for that, but he just, it just came off. Like he, he did not have self-awareness over the issues of the program and tried to project them back on the media when it's not the, it's not the media's fault. And if anything, you're, this is now a function of the fact that you're the one that said, we want all the smoke. You brought this class into this, into this situation with this team, with this roster, haven't been able to handle it, not been able to coach at the level that many thought you would be able to. And now your locker room has been a, you know, you've admitted it. it was a disaster earlier in the season. We don't know if it's any better now or not, but um, that's where we're at. That's all I got on Memphis. It is surprising. It's at this point and maybe they can put it together, but I mean, who's got any confidence that that's actually going to happen. Yeah, no, not me. And uh, I can't imagine many, Um, you know, it, Again, I, I think you touch on something like he is frustrated with how it's going, frustrated by the media. Keep in mind, this is a, a guy who's 50 years old, who has been super famous in his hometown since he was like 16. Yeah. And has never faced any kind of criticism of, in any sort of meaningful way in his life. And now he is for the first time. Like people who grew up adoring him are now suggesting very publicly that he should be fired. And I, I, uh, obviously that's tough to deal with. It would be for me. I'm not there yet, by the way, I'm not saying Penny should be fired from Memphis, but it's just, it's, it's oh, oh yeah. I mean, to be clear, I would not fire him. Not today and not at the end of the yeah, season. I'm not, I'm not there yet. It's, it's not good. I'm just not there yet. Yeah, I, I would bring him back for year five and hope that that's the breakthrough season. And after that, everything goes well. I'm not optimistic of that, but that, that's what I would do for a variety of reasons. Among them, it, it costs money to get rid of and money that th they don't have. Um, so, yeah, I'm not at the penny should be fired, but there are a lot of people in Memphis who are at the penny should be fired. It's embarrassing. It's a circus. It's one story after another. Um, you know, even before Penny's press conference last night, you and Nada and I are in a group text and you guys reached out to me like, Hey, you know, do we need to talk about Memphis tomorrow? They just lost again. And I was like, what, what is, what else is there to say? Like they just like, they, they're not any good and they just proved it again. Like let's focus on the, the better teams. And then this press conference happens and it becomes the biggest story in college basketball. It just was last night. And Memphis has been for a variety of reasons, one of the biggest stories in the country in the preseason and throughout the season first. Cause you know, they get Amani Bates and Jalen Duran. Then they add Larry Brown and Rashid Wallace. Then they get off to a disappointing start, which is a big story, just like Michigan getting off to a disappointing start. Then they show some signs of life, like beat Alabama, pummel Wichita state. And then we're right back where we are now uh, with Penny having this press conference that went viral uh, last night. 
so I'm with you. Um, there was no uh, better way to start a college basketball podcast this morning other than with the biggest story from Thursday night, which was Penny Hardaway's press conference. But we're at the point where there's nothing else to say about them. They're just a bad basketball team. And we can spend the rest of the season, hopefully, focused on the, the good basketball teams. There's, And I'd be interested to get your take on this because it's something that's um, been brought up to me and something I, I think I agree with. One of the points other coaches have made, and by the way, I can't tell you how many coaches text messaged me and said, like, what? Like, you work hard? We're all working hard, you know? Like, what? Like, work work differently. Uh, work more effectively. Uh, bragging about working hard um, is uh, – that's not something you should be bragging about. You know, at the end of the day, it's a results-oriented business. Um, it is a fact that they entered this season – the head coach of Penny Hardaway, who had never worked on a college campus before he worked on this college campus. Cody Toppert, who had never worked on a college campus until he worked on this college campus. Rasheed Wallace, who had never worked on a college campus until he worked on this college campus. And Larry Brown, who is 81 years old and came to the picture late. And the thing that some other coaches have brought up to me is that Hey, Penny can clearly recruit, and I think he can actually coach, run a practice, do drills, all that stuff. But who on that staff knows how to run a college basketball program in the year 2022? Like when Penny said, I didn't even really think about getting my players vaccinated. That That is so contrary to what every other coach told us in the offseason. It was priority one for everybody. And at Memphis, they just didn't even seem to care. And one of the things that I think has led to all of these missteps is that they don't have anybody on the staff who knows how to run a college basketball program, not coach a basketball team. These are two very different things. Run a college basketball program. And it's, uh, it's come up to bite them time after time after time. You think there's something to that? Maybe a little bit, yeah. I think when you get to the uh, – and there are intricacies of actually running uh, a college basketball program, and experience can certainly matter. You don't uh, – you know, if, if you come into a situation where you haven't had experience on a college bench, it, it just about everyone that has worked in college athletics – I'm not even talking just coaches. I would say uh, athletic directors, people in the college athletic space, they'll say having people that have real experience and some sec- success, uh, a good track record, means something. So, yeah, I think all those things are – basically, you know, combining to uh, to see what's happening. Now, again, Hardaway did actually have some success previous to it. It's not like this was his first season or anything like that. He actually did have a good program, but it's all just a confluence of events that's led to, uh, led to uh, you know, I, I hesitate to say implosion, but this is, whew, this is bad stuff, buddy. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It is bad stuff. Let's move on to some interesting results from the past couple of nights. But before we do, please, if you're watching live right now on YouTube, smash that like button like Brandon Davies would. Smash it. Brandon Davies, Woody Rista, trip to the Final Four. Didn't care. He had an opportunity to smash. He took it in violation of, of the protocols at, at his university. He said, I got an opportunity to smash. I'm going to smash. He risked a basketball season. You're not risking anything. It cost you nothing. Smash the like button while you're here, please. Marquette won at Villanova. Indiana upset Purdue. Johnny Juzang got 28 at UCLA, 63 points in a win at Utah. Mm. Those are some interesting developments from the past couple of nights. What stands out from the past two nights to you? I want to, I want to go to Indiana here. Indiana beating Purdue. Well, before I drop a few nuggets on on you here, Indiana over Purdue. Yes or no? Biggest regular season win for this program since Christian Watford beat Kentucky in 2012. Oh, I couldn't. I don't. I'm not an Indiana historian, but I the, the last the last. I mean, the last significant Indiana thing I think I remember is Christian Watford hitting the shot against Kentucky, and so last night was Jaden Ivy missing a shot against Indiana. It was a massive win. Like, you know, if for no other reason than um, the fans seem fired up, um, you know, the, the place was packed. It looked great. It is great. It's one of the, I don't know if you've been there for a game. It's one of the great college basketball environments. I mean, it's just when it's filled up and, and the fans are, are energized, it's as good as it gets. Um, and so it was an amazing scene, um, a great win over an in-state rival. And I'm just really happy for that fan base and the like entire state because you know what they've been going through with those internet problems in Indiana. No idea, actually. You didn't hear about this? No, I didn't hear about it. Oh, wow. The entire state of Indiana yeah. has been without internet oh. this entire season. Sounds brutal, man. It's rough. I felt bad for him. Like I haven't heard from him. In- only within the state borders. Like it's yes. freaking Ohio, they're good. Yeah. Illinois cruising. That's right. But just Indiana. Right. I hadn't heard from him. Nobody's it's- talking about this. Nobody's talking about this. I hadn't heard anything from him. Like after they lost to Syracuse, n- nobody tweeted me. I was like, there's the internet problem. They don't have internet in Indiana. After they lost to Penn State, nobody mm. tweeted me. But but fortunately, just just in time for the win over Purdue, they got the Internet back in the state. So everybody can jump on Twitter now. And so I'm happy for them because they got the win, but mostly because they got the Internet back in Indiana, because it's just it's 2022. You don't want to be going an extended period of time without Internet. True. Did you put them in your top 25 and one on Friday morning or no? No. Okay, you did. No, I mean, they're, they're, they're three and four in the first two quadrants. All right, fair enough. Uh, a couple of things to know about this game. Uh, first of all, if you tell me that Indiana is going to fail to get, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see Nottis tossed up uh, some of the box score here. Indiana's not going to crack 70 against Purdue, and Trace Jackson Davis is going to play 11 minutes. I'm going to blindly tell you that Indiana's losing that game, but that is not what happened. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis did have foul trouble there, uh, had just four points, but uh, Rob Finnessy comes back. Did I? My Rage Against the Machine poster just fell behind me. Well, it was a it was a matter of time. Chimes. Wait, what just what just happened? What was I, that? I think you told us what happened. Your Rage Against the Machine poster fell down. What you say? What you say? What you say? What?
Not just cool. announced a tour with Run the Jewels. Would you be interested in Rage and RTJ at Madison Square Garden? I'd be interested in you buying that ticket for me because you still owe me a ticket. So yes, we'll just I'll, I'll capitalize in on that. How about maybe that? maybe we'll go together? Sounds good. I'm actually good for it. Um, where was I? Rob Finnessy, hero of the night, career high twenty points. Man hits the winning bucket from the corner. Indiana gets its first win against a top five team at home since 2016 when it beat North Carolina. So maybe you can argue that that UNC win was uh, the more recent important regular season development versus the, the Kentucky one. But they fled to the floor, my man. They, they rushed that court. It was only the second win in nine years. Only the second win in nine years for Indiana against Purdue. It's crazy. How'd they win? A couple reasons. Only three turnovers. That had been the lowest in a game for IU since 2006. Only three turnovers. That's that's good stuff there. Now, Purdue's offense has been highly ranked parish because of a couple, uh, many reasons, but a couple of them being uh, get plenty of production from the bench. That's in no small part because of Travion Williams. Um, and also, they get to the line a ton, and they're a relatively good foul shooting team. Well, that didn't happen on Thursday. Indiana's bench outscored Purdue 35-4. to Trevion Williams was subpar for a third consecutive game. That's something to keep an eye on. He, it, he shouldn't be playing as poorly as for his level, his expectation, his ability as, as he's been. And then the foul shots, Indiana had 24. Purdue got to the line 17 times. Purdue came into the game having shot like 110 more foul shots this season than its opponents. It just dominates the free throw rate. Wasn't the case whatsoever. And because Williams wasn't good, uh, and even without Trace Jackson Davis... Playing well, playing a lot of minutes. Indiana was narrowly better. Points in the paint, 30 to 28. So, good stuff. Rob Finnessy, congrats on you, man. You're from Lafayette, Indiana. Four steals, four boards, career high 20. You hit the bucket. You finally get a win over Purdue. Um, this is the kind of game that you're going to remember for the rest of your life that people will talk to you and want to hear about for decades to come. Xavier Johnson also was pretty critical in this game as well. He had 18 and uh, four boards, but yeah, good stuff for IU. That's a, that's a validating win. I know you said you don't have them ranked yet, but um, I'm not going to declare with 100% confidence that Indiana is going to the NCAA tournament, but a win like this certainly indicates that uh, some bright days are ahead. This team would have gone had there been a 2020 tournament, but it didn't. So the fact remains that when Archie Miller was there, Indiana never participated in an NCAA tournament. This fan base hasn't experienced it since 2016, but I think 2022 is going to be the year. That's a nice win for IU. I did consider Indiana. Like, I took a look at it. But like I said, they're three and four in the first two quadrants. They're one and four in road games. You'll never believe where their one win is. <laughs> I, I'm blanking on it. What, 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 is it Nebraska? They walked in the Pinnacle in. Bank. <laughs> they walked they in walked, the Pinnacle Bank. They walked in the Pinnacle. No one's walking in the Pinnacle right now. Nebraska's on a pause, by the way. So they're one in four in road games, three and four in the first two quadrants. Um, so I just just on the outside of the top twenty-five and one. Uh, a night before that, uh, Marquette um, got a big win at Villanova. Um, the Golden Eagles are now thirteen and six overall, five and three in the Big East on a five-game winning streak, and that was Marquette's first win at the Pavilion. And Villanova was playing like almost all of its games, all but three of its games at the Pavilion home games this season. Because, um, as you know, I think you as I was googling this the other night, I found like from maybe 2012 you wrote about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the way the NCAA tournament works is that you cannot play tournament games in your quote home arena, 
And a home arena is defined as anywhere you play more than three games. So Villanova is only going to play three games at Wells Fargo so that they're eligible to play in the East Regional in what is their de facto home arena. It's smart scheduling. So they're at the Pavilion a lot this season, and um, they lost their Wednesday night uh, for the first time since November 2018. It was Marquette's first ever win at the Pavilion, and Villanova's now 30-3 and in that building since there was a $65 million renovation. In other words, uh, they almost never lose there. And they lost their Wednesday night to a shock, a smart coach team that is overachieving relative to preseason expectations. They were picked ninth in the preseason Big East poll. Marquette was look better than that. No doubt. Justin Lewis, big shot to win it. Marquette closed the game on a seven, nothing run. Uh, Lewis finished with 21 points. Greg Elliott off the bench. Who's been pretty solid as of late. He had 14 and man, shock smart doing it doing real well for himself in year one. You're right. Overachieving relative to preseason expectations. I didn't think Marquette was going to be in the NCAA tournament conversation at all at any point this season. I was wrong about that. If we built the field today, Marquette would have to be in with some room to spare there. Uh, still, in the, this this win carries a, a ton of cash. Not just because it's won five in a row, but it's got a win at home over Seton Hall. Close. Got it. Win at Villanova. Close. Got it. And now, as I mentioned, I think on the previous podcast, Xavier is next. That's a home game. We'll get to that in a few at Seton Hall, at Providence, home to Nova, at UConn. There's, so there's they're gonna there's gonna be some more losses that come, but Marquette's done well enough for itself as we sit here and talk on Friday. AM Marquette six and six combined in quad one and quad two with a five and four record at the top quadrant one games. That's really, really good. Five quadrant one games is almost as many as, as any other team in the country. There's only one team with more. Baylor with six. Otherwise, Marquette is sitting there along the likes of just quad one wins. That's all we're talking about. Wisconsin, Auburn, Alabama, Iowa State. Those are the teams that have at least five wins against the toughest portion of their schedule. Good on, good on Shaka. Marquette, I know those fans are fired up, man. Like that. This is kind of a, a vindicating feeling after um, you wanted to make a coaching change. You get Shaka smart. There's a lot of anticipation, excitement that comes with this, but you're thinking, okay, maybe it takes till year two year three at the latest. And here we are in the first year and he's got him in the tournament conversation. We'll see if they can stay there, but they're looking good. Uh, they're looking good right about now. The only other one that you mentioned was what uh, UCLA went in late at Utah, man, that game went late. I was fading. I held on barely. I, I, I didn't. Oh, I, I barely held on like Gonzaga pulled away from San Francisco. Um, so that was, you know, they actually won by 16 and the line was 16. Wouldn't you know it? And uh, but I was like, I got to see if UCLA is going to lose this or not. Um, they didn't. They get a nice road win at Utah and Booth Gosh, not able to not able to pull it out there. But yeah, but Johnny Juzang helps get into a 63-58 win. Uh Juzang had 28 points in this game. Only one other Bruin had double figures. Jules Bernard had 14 there. So um it was way late. I'm sure plenty of people watching this pod uh weren't able to stay up and I don't blame you, but it's the first of two on the road. They'll play at Colorado this weekend. Will UCLA to kind of maintain their status? They're now 12 and two, but that was a nice win. And Juzang, well, performances like this, he shouldn't need to do as much as he did there, but you keep doing this. UCLA stays highly ranked, good record. Get back into that All-American conversation. Oh, by the way, Arizona is the number three team in the country and destroyed Stanford on Thursday night too. So just let's not forget Arizona's 
they're quietly ridiculous and they're a top three team, at least according to the AP top 25. We got to adjust this Pac-12 schedule. I just I can't stay up late on Thursday nights, <laughs> even when I want to. I try to. It's impossible well, for you. It's impossible because you're up at you're up late Wednesday. Then you got to fly like it's just not. Me. I'm up till four and and awake at seven thirty. Like I, I sleep three and a half hours on Wednesday night, every Wednesday night. And then I fly straight home, go straight to radio. By the time I get home, like I'm lucky if I can put my kids to bed. It's like, over. in fact, last night I tried to lay down with one of my little guys. And I was like, I'll just lay down until he falls asleep. I think I fell asleep before he did. I woke up at two in the morning like, oh, well, I wonder if Gonzaga hold, held on because <laughs> you know? I, I, I guess I saw the very beginning of that. And then I went out, lay down with a second and uh, and then it was, you know, I woke up. It was two in the morning. Now here we are. But Juzang, uh, again, 28 of UCLA, 63. He's now averaging 25 points per game in UCLA's last three contests which is better than the 22.8 he averaged in that NCAA tournament run uh, last season. Um, as we sit here, his field goal percentage this season over last season is better. Three-point percentage, better. Points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, all better. They've been a little bit off the radar because UCLA hasn't played a currently ranked team in nearly two months. And... They didn't play for almost four weeks because of a COVID pause. Um, but, you know, they're quietly, whatever that means, uh, 12 and 2. And Johnny Juzang is having an All American level uh, season, even if he scores all his points on Thursday nights while I'm asleep. <laughs> you ready for the final four and one? Yeah. Why, don't, why does it not uh, hop in here? Remind. Last week was big. I took the lead finally. I, I don't think that happened. But uh, not a, do we have records from last week or just overall? What are we looking at right now? All right. We are because for some reason the, the crawl is wrong. I thought I updated it. At this point, GP is on a little bit of a surge. He's 17 and surging. 17 he's, coming close. He's, com he's coming close. Norlander, you were 21 and 16. The fact that this is this close this late. I mean, Norlander, you're going to have to step it up, man, just to keep clear and win this this season. All right. I think I, I, I'm pretty comfortable with this, but yeah. All right, let's, let's roll. If I can go four and one this week, that would put me at still one game under 500. No, it put me right at 500. I need a four and one week. Okay, for you. Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern, number 12, Kentucky at number two. We're not saying number two, Auburn. They shouldn't be number two. That's goofy. Facts, though. I will ignore them. Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern, number 12, Kentucky at number one, Auburn, inside Chris Porter Arena. Kim Palm has it, Auburn minus three. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Mm. Not only can you watch it on America's most watched network. Folks? Mm. That man right there, right there, going to be on sideline. That's right. You got a pre-production meeting with these teams later on today, or what's the deal? Everything's on Zoom now. So, yeah, um, you, but that's still going down, right? Yeah, Bruce Pearl Zoom yesterday, John Calipari Zoom in the morning, and production Zoom meeting tonight. Uh, everybody in the hotel at Auburn, but everybody on Zoom. Had to cancel a trip to Las Vegas to make it happen. But 
did you see what transpired in Las Vegas? Right. We weren't going to Las Vegas to see Adele, but since we were in Las Vegas and Adele's residency was starting, we were going to see Adele. And then we canceled our trip and then Adele canceled her residency. Exactly. She was like, GP's not coming. No sense in doing this. By the way, little, I don't know how I feel about this Adele. It's not like she got COVID yesterday or, um, you know, uh, something abruptly happened. As she explains it, they've been running into issues for weeks, and now her show just isn't ready. She missed deadline and told everybody the day before it's supposed to start. There are people in Las Vegas right now, I promise you, who flew there right. to see Adele. We were going just to go. It's my birthday weekend. And then while we were there, we're like, hey, Adele's playing. Might as well go see Adele. But but there are people who flew there to see Adele. And day before the first show, she's like, I can't do it. I missed deadline. This woman been out there begging people for months to go easy on her. Should we, though? Should we go easy on her? I'll let the listeners decide with that. But I did find it quite interesting that you can't. you had to bail on Vegas. And then suddenly Adele's like, show's off. Shows off. Yeah, she's like, oh, what? GP has got to go to Auburn instead of come to Vegas? Shows off. Can't do it. Not ready. Not ready to do it for an audience that doesn't include GP. That's more or less what she was saying. It is Gary's birthday weekend, although I I think technically his birthday is Monday. That's true. Maybe I'll have a little surprise in store for him on the Sunday show. You'll have to tune in and watch and find out. Uh, I did hop on the Auburn media call Thursday, yesterday, I think. Because uh, I wanted to ask Bruce if he felt as though this game was the biggest regular season one that he had been a part of since February of 2008 when he was coaching at Tennessee. And John Calipari, of course, was at Memphis. Bruce Pearl's volunteers won that game, by the way. They beat Memphis in a, that classic one versus two game. Um, Pearl said it's the biggest game he's had at home since he's been, obviously at home, he's coaching the Final Four in the tournament, but biggest home game since he's been at Auburn. He also pointed out, and I didn't realize this, this is the only scheduled meeting this season between these teams. Kentucky and Auburn are not scheduled to play. Now, they could play each other again uh, in the SEC tournament, so we could certainly get this again, but this is the only one that we know for sure we're getting there, so it carries a lot of significance. And Pearl said that Tennessee-Memphis game, like it was the environment was Super Bowl-like, but he said this one means more. It's uh, No, we're not one versus two. That's not what it is there. But we are in the same conference. That was a non-conference game, and it meant, means a ton uh, locally for Memphis and Tennessee and the rivalry and all that stuff. Like it, did, it carried a ton of significance there, and we still talk about it all these years later. But Auburn and Kentucky are both in the SEC. Both can make the Final Four. Both can win the uh, you know both can win this league, and so the game actually has real uh, tangible meaning. So it was it was interesting to hear Bruce talk about that. As for the game and the pick, I can't wait for this. It's one thirty. Game of the, I think it's one of the five biggest matchups heading in that we've had so far this season. Love this kind of stuff, man. We didn't think we didn't see this coming three weeks ago. Kentucky's way on track, number three in Kempom as we speak right now. The fact that it's at Auburn, I love it. Now, Rupp would have been fine, but that arena is going to be absurd, Parrish. The Auburn arena will be better than Rupp. Correct. Uh, my will. apologies to Kentucky fans, but it just will be. I, I, you're, this is going to be phenomenal. I, I love the fact that you are going and working sideline and get to experience this. This Because I can't wait to hear your account of what it's like. No matter if it's an epic buzzer beater overtime game or one team wins by 20, uh, I want to hear your account of what it, uh, what it feels like to be in that arena. This arena, by the way, is like all of a decade old. So it's definitely the biggest game in the history of this arena. Because 
Kentucky is narrowly ahead of Auburn and Ken Palm. The line is, is pretty respectable. Um, GP told you before Tigers minus three who I'm going to go with Auburn here. I'm going to go with Auburn to win and to cover, but I'm going to do it with some hesitancy because I'm a believer in, in UK UK is actually fourth in Ken Palm as I talk right now. So there was some movement overnight with, uh, with the results there. Um, so only two spots separate these teams. I am way in on Kentucky and it's ceiling. It got a win on the road, by the way, since we last talked at Texas A&M kind of one ugly first time the season, Kentucky didn't have a margin of at least 10 points and a victory there. But offensively, high-level team, still very good on defense. This should be a very well-played game. These are A-minus or better offenses and defenses. The battle between Kessler and Oscar Shibway, I think, is going to be tremendous. What Kentucky does to try and offset Jabari Smith will be intriguing. And I think there's a chance that if Auburn does win this game, which is one of my pick, win and cover, that maybe you see either Wendell Green have another really nice game. Maybe he's the star coming out of it. Katie Johnson has had no shortage of moments. Maybe it winds up being him, you know, Zepp Jasper. Do we have a kind of situation where it's a, a truly unheralded player that comes up big in a big spot? I don't know. I just can't wait for this game. Give me the Tigers to win and to cover and to get to 18 one in doing so. Yeah, I would respectfully disagree that this is as big as that Memphis versus Tennessee game. First off, it was February, not January. It was one versus two. One of the teams was, undefeated and therefore trying to become right uh, the first undefeated national champion since 76, which seemed, you know, possible given that if they get by Tennessee, they're not going to lose a conference USA game. And then if they win the national championship, they would be undefeated national champions. Uh, they of course finished as a two loss team because they lost to Tennessee, then lost to Kansas college game day was there that morning. Um, it was for a while and still might be, the highest-rated college basketball game ever on ESPN. I think that's Earl true. said in his media availability, he said he thought it was the second highest since that or something. So, it's yeah, it's really up there. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, I, I just – like, this isn't that, but this is unbelievable. Um, You know, because you've got an Auburn team that really might be playing to move to number one in the AP Polo Money. Let me ask you this. If Auburn beats Kentucky – can you envision them jumping I Gonzaga? I thought about this last night. I actually can. If Auburn, I do too. particularly if it wins with some authority, then you might have had you might you might have uh, some voters that might have had Auburn two, three, or four go to one, and then there were only four total points. Separated. Right. That's the thing. That's, oh, that's so so, zero. so yeah. here's the thing: people think of it broadly speaking as will Auburn jump Gonzaga? They don't have to on any ballots. Right. Just the goofies who voted Auburn ninth have to not do that again. And the goofies who voted Auburn sixth have to not do that again. So really it just takes uh, you know, a voter saying, ooh, I still think Gonzaga's number one, but I'm going to move Auburn from four to two. And I'm going to move Auburn from nine to three. That's all it takes. And Auburn jumps Gonzaga in the AP poll and becomes number one for the first time in school history. I think with a victory over Kentucky, they'll do it. Not necessarily because people will flip the top of their balance and take Gonzaga and move them from number one, but because Auburn will move higher on some of these other ballots than they were this past Monday, and that'll be enough to give them the points to pass Gonzaga. In other words, even if the first place votes look exactly the same as they did last week, I think Auburn can jump Gonzaga just by moving up on other uh, ballots standing room only tickets, by the way, priced above $200 each at StubHub. 
this game, building holds like nine and change. I think it's not. It's it's. I've I've never been there, but I believe it's like yeah. one of those like not too big, not too small. Just it's kind perfect. Of- that's what that's what a great college basketball arena should be. Nine thousand seats is perfect, and it, I I've never been there for a game. I have been there right after Bruce got the job. Family and I were on our way to the beach, and I talked my wife into driving through Auburn, Alabama, so I could spend the day with Bruce and his staff, and you know get some work done. And um, so I've, I've seen the arena and it's great. I've never been there for a game. So I'm looking forward to it um, on the court. Walker Kessler will be coming off a 15.6 rebound, six block effort against Georgia. And, you know, that was his, his home state school. He's from Noonan, Georgia, which is like 40 miles uh, Southwest of Atlanta. So he's now averaging Kessler is 17 and a half points, eight rebounds, six and a half blocks in his past two games. You know what they call that, don't you, dead leg? Breakthrough. There we go. He's breaking through just as uh, predicted. I'll take Goldburn to win, to cover, and to move to number one in the AP poll on Monday. I think all of those things happen. Game two, Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern. Number five, Baylor at Oklahoma inside Taylor Griffin Center. Mm. Blake gets everything. We should. I agree. That's good. Yeah, Taylor deserves something. Ken Palm has it Baylor minus five. You can watch it on ESPN plus. I'll be quick on this. I'm going to go Baylor and Baylor definitively. Oklahoma has been in some games as of late. We uh, identified their plights and and some struggles on most recent podcast, but I'm going to trust Baylor. Now we still don't know uh, Jeremy Sohan and James Akinjo, their status. Don't know if they're playing in this game that, but I'm going to say, I'm just going to, I'm I don't have this Intel, uh, I haven't been in touch with Bryce or Huck or Scott or anyone uh, in the Drew family about this. I'm going to lean that Akinjo plays in this game. And with that presumption, give me Baylor to win and cover. I meant to text Huck. Well, he's a dog. Yeah, but he can text. It's a good dog. Good dog. All right. Huck's a good dog. He can text. I meant to text him. I actually do. As I'm looking at my notes here, I made all, I made most of these notes on my flight home yesterday. It says, uh, text Scott and find out about a Kinjo. <laughs> I just forgot. I got busy. I just forgot. Um, like you mentioned earlier, Baylor's got six quad one wins. It leads the nation. Eight and two in the first two quadrants. That's why I still got them top four in the top 25 and one. Oklahoma um, has lost four or five on a three-game losing streak. Past two losses to TCU and Kansas by a combined four points. So, like, close losses. Four of their six losses – have either come in in OT or by three or fewer points. So that's rough. I mean, these are one possession, two possession situations. Um, But I'm with you. I'll take, you know what? I'm not with you. I'll take Baylor to win. I'll take Baylor to win, but Oklahoma to cover. Baylor wins a tight game inside the Taylor Griffin Center. Game three, Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern, number 13 LSU at number 24 Tennessee inside Bruce Pearl Arena. He deserves it. Oh, that's what's happening. Okay. We're going to name Tennessee's arena after Bruce Pearl. Okay. Tennessee fans, they tell me on Twitter they would take it back right now. I believe it. Tennessee, they got they got internet? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They got internet. Okay, okay. Internet's fine. It was like a weird thing. Only in Indiana they lost okay. internet for two months. Just making sure. Yeah, no, Tennessee's fine. Kim Bomb has it Tennessee minus one. You can watch it on ESPN. I've got, I've got it minus two. Okay, call it minus two. I don't care. <laughs> Just told you I made these notes yesterday on a flight. <laughs> it must have changed overnight. That's true. Um, 
LSU's lost two in a row. Uh, still got the number one rated. How about this? I don't know if you've noticed this or not. LSU has the number one defense in the country. And teams are shooting like almost half of their shots from three-point range against the Tigers. And they're not shooting them well, by the way. The opponents are hitting 26% of their threes, but almost half of their shots are from... It's a fascinating defensive footprint, if you will. Uh, Still the best defense per possession adjusted in the country, according to Ken Palm. And that's been working for me. If you're curious as you listen, well, what does that mean for Tennessee? How good is it from three-point range? Not good. (laughs) 32.5% from beyond the arc. That's 218th in the United States of America and the world and our known universe. The volunteers are purely pedestrian when they shoot the tray. But I will take Rick Barnes to get a win here. And if it does, if his team does, uh, he'll have two wins this season over top 15 level kind of teams. They've also defeated Arizona. That is Arizona's lone loss at home. So give me the balls to win and cover. I like this one. This is a this is a certainly a tasty one. Auburn, Kentucky is the not just a headline game nationally, but also in the, in the conference. This is a clear number two. Um, Tennessee has five losses, but all five are the top 20 Kim Pump teams. Including one at LSU two weeks ago. Yeah, two ago not, right? not, not that competitive. Yeah. Right. Um, so they got five losses. All of them are to 20 Kimpom teams. So like quality losses, if you're into that kind of thing. None of the losses are at home. They're nine at home and home, nine and oh at home with a win over Arizona. The only team to beat Arizona. And Arizona's beating everybody else's brains in. So I'm not gonna pick Tennessee to lose at home. I'll take the balls. Kennedy Chandler, my little homie from Memphis. Game four, Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern, number 20, Xavier, at Marquette, inside Travis Diener Forum. Kim Pom has it, Xavier minus one. You can watch it on FS1. Xavier favored on the road against Marquette. Very interesting. That's interesting. Now, again, so... We go by when we do the show on Friday mornings, the lines for Saturday and, and this was a, this is a Sunday game. They have not come out yet. I think this is going to be a situation where X is favored on Ken Palm. The line is actually going to be Marquette minus one when it comes out. Could be wrong, but I think because of the win streak, the public will actually want to bet Marquette to win this game. And so the Golden Eagles will be favored. But for the purposes of this podcast, we are going by the projected line at KenPalm.com. Xavier's only losses, neutral Iowa State and to, uh, to Villanova twice. I'm not going against Marquette here. I'm going to go Marquette to win. Uh, and uh, technically for these purposes, it'd be straight up. But Xavier's, Xavier's solid. I think this could be a really, this is the best game of Sunday, by the way. Um, for an NFL divisional round weekend, um, this two o'clock tip on Fox Sports 1. Uh, it's only this and then the lead-in to the playoffs on CBS, Michigan plays at Indiana. We're not picking that game, but just a heads up, the CBS basketball game on Sunday, Michigan at Indiana. That's interesting just to see if Indiana can continue its momentum after the win on Thursday night. So those are the only two you really need to know about of like real consequence, I feel, on Sunday. I will take Arquette and to win and to cover and Justin Lewis to continue to be awesome. He's been their best player, the most important player this season. But Daryl Morrisell has also been uh, has also been pretty critical of the Maryland transfer, and he uh, I expect him to show up well in this game as well. Close one, Marquette wins. Marquette's on the verge of the top twenty-five and one. This could push them there. It should push them there if they win. 
They'd be a six-game winning streak. They would improve to seven and six in the first two quadrants with zero additional losses. Um, right now, they have five quadrant one wins. That would take them to six. Stakes are pretty clear. Marquette wins. They go to the top 25 and one. You agree? Yes. Travis Dean or Forum should be electric, given that the proud Golden Eagles are coming back home after a really nice win at Villanova. It's just a lot of stuff to deal with, don't you think? It's a ton. It's a lot of stuff to deal with for Xavier. I think Marquette wins and covers. Wrong team favored. If we're saying Xavier's favored, it's a wrong team favored situation. Yeah. We're on the same page again. It's hard. It's going to be hard to catch you if we're often on the same page. Be intellectually honest. Pick the team that you actually think is going to cover here. I don't want to be honest anymore. Tired of being honest. If you want to switch this up for next week and you make the first pick and I, and so I don't, you, you know, you pick first. I'm going to pick whoever I think I'm not going to try and you don't have any gamesmanship with it. So it's up to you. You see where being honest has gotten me, don't you? Yeah, it's gotten you to Auburn, Kentucky on the sideline on Saturday. How about that? I there never thought go. of it that way. Never thought of it. I never thought of it that way. All right. So we both got uh we both got Marquette with the win. Um reminder, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're watching it live, or if you've come later in Friday or Saturday morning, do tap that like button and smash it. You can smash it. Yeah, you can smash it for sure. Um, we appreciate you so much, and uh, thanks for helping us to continue to grow the channel. This was and is the first college basketball podcast ever to go to video. Not not enough people talk about that. Tell the people in Indiana. Let them know. It's actually Before- the first. It's actually the first podcast to ever be on video. We are oh, the yeah, first two people to ever make a video. Okay, you're going that. People, folks don't realize that. Yeah. Really? We we're the first people to ever be on video. We started doing it a few months ago, and now Adele's doing it there to, we go. to announce cancellations. Before I give you my no, A1, go easy on me. I know. How about, how about you give us a little heads up before you cancel your residency? Then we'll go easy on you. Can't cancel the day before and then be like, go easy on me. Yeah, you know what? There we go. Oh, You know what? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you deserve for us to go easy on you, Adele. Before I get to my game, which is uh, which is a fun one, a mid-major special, here's what you need to know the rest of the week. Friday night, Illinois will play at Maryland at 7 Eastern. Kofi Coburn is not going to play in that game. He did not travel with the team. There have been reports that he has had it. He suffered a concussion. No Coburn at Maryland. Probably figure Illinois is going to win that, but maybe it's a little tricky, a little close. The big game of Friday is Michigan State at Wisconsin, 9 Eastern, Fox Sports 1. It's the 150th time these schools have met. Who do you think leads the all-time series, GP? What game? Oh, my gosh. Michigan State at Wisconsin, 9 Eastern Friday, Fox Sports 1. I think, Wis- I think Wisconsin leads the all-time series. You're very wrong. Michigan State, 83-66. I thought the only reason you would ask that is because it wouldn't be the obvious answer. Got into you. Twisted you around. That's yeah. right. That's a wonderful Big Ten matchup there. And both those teams are tied atop the league ledger. That's a Friday game. We are not picking it. I'm just letting you know. Saturday, the ones where you're not picking. Don't pick those. Friday games. I thought about it. I was like, don't do. I don't do. That's not something I do. That's a, that is a really good game. We'll be. Uh, at least I'll be locked into it. Um, West Virginia, Texas Tech, noon Eastern on ESPN two. Kind of feels like West Virginia might win that one. Just a little bit of a hunch. Florida State at Miami is a two Eastern tip on Saturday on ESPN. 
Really nice game between a couple of bubble teams, and uh, I'll be intrigued to see what Miami can do after beating North Carolina earlier this week. Kansas will play at K-State for Eastern ESPN+. Plus. If K-State is actually going to try and be a, a bubble team coming out of the Big 12, and that league's going to try and send nine to the tournament, which I don't think is going to happen, winning at home against Kansas would certainly uh, give us another plot twist there. Um, UNC at Wake Forest, 8 Eastern. ACC Network, Saturday night. Steve Forbes on uh, track to return for that game. He did not coach in Wake Forest's game earlier this week. UNC is in a tough spot here. Uh, Hubert Davis, uh, probably thankful that Penny Hardaway is a, a mess right now with Memphis uh, <laughs> because Hubert Davis might be kept. Now, I'm not saying he deserves it, but Carolina fans, I think, are a little bit just, they've got a little bit of anxiety over how bad their team is away from home. And now they're going to go play at the Joel. And that arena is going to be rocking Wake Forest, trying to make the tournament for the first time in an eon. Uh, A&M at Arkansas, 8.30, Saturday night, SEC Network. A couple of bubble teams out of the SEC. Winner's going to be in a much better spot than the loser, in my opinion, in that spot. A&M has yet to prove to us they've got one real win of legitimacy. And then two more on Saturday. Ukla at Colorado, 9 Eastern, Pac-12 Network. Parrish has no shot. And then good, 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 great mid-major game. I almost picked this one. Boise State at San Diego State is a 9.30 tip on CBS Sports Network. Boise State is one of the hottest teams in the country. GP, do we know how many games Boise State has won in a row? Nine. 11 consecutive wins for the Broncos. You do not have them ranked, do you? I do not. I would argue that if... Can't Boise- rank everybody, dead leg. I know, but if Boise State gets to 15-4 and four and beats San Diego State on the road after beating Utah State on the road, they're going to have a really, really, really good case. Mountain West... Streaking toward a four-bid league, by the way, this season. Boise State, San Diego State, Colorado State's 14-1, and and the Wyoming Cowboys at 14-2. and Give it up for them. Give it up for them. I saw you rank them. Damn straight I did. Power ranking. They've been hot as of late. Going to reward them. Four of the past five wins, not at home. Did you see what, by the way, this happened purely coincidentally, but did you see what Ken Palma tweeted about that? I did not. Do you have USC ranked in your top 25-1? and one? I do. Okay, Ken Palm basically made the made the the statement, uh, uh, you know, the uh, the commentary that from a resume and and standpoint, USC and Wyoming almost have there's almost nothing different about them. But the only reason why Wyoming isn't considered a ranked team at this point is predictive metrics. It's 58 Ken Palm, and there was no preseason expectation for what Wyoming would be. But if you were actually going to rank them based on what they've done relative to their schedule, Wyoming and USC are very, very close. So I thought that pretty intriguing. And give it up to Jeff Linder. Year two, Cowboys. They're probably going to go to the tournament. They're 14-2. and two. They're going to play New Mexico on Saturday. Mountain West is a quality league this season. And uh, yeah, that's basically that. All right. Want my game five? I, yeah, I you do. do. We, Saturday. Considering we can't end this until we get it, I definitely Saturday, want it. For mm-hmm. Eastern. This game's going to be going down at Leon Barmore Arena. Oh, wow. Where did Leon Barmore play? The answer is Louisiana Tech. We've got UAB minus one at La Tech, a CUSA special. Both these teams are actually pretty damn good. UAB is higher in Kempom right now. They're 43rd with a 15-4 and four record. Louisiana Tech, 78th, but with a 15-3 record. Uh, CSA is almost certainly going to be a one-bit league, but something to keep an eye on here. The line is Louisiana Tech minus one. You got Eric Conkle's Bulldogs, or you got AK, Andy Kennedy's Blazers in this one? AK against EK. That's correct. I like both these guys a lot. I like these teams. It's a good game. It is. I wanted to give a, again, a little, little highlight to a couple of 
A couple of teams that could be on the 12 line, 13 line when we get to Selection Sunday, capable of winning the game uh, in the tournament. And this is a huge game in Conference USA. This will be one of the two or three biggest games on the league schedule. So give a little love here, a little preview. And uh, what do you got? Louisiana Tech's only losses are to Alabama, NC State, LSU. Yes, and uh, all of those happened, obviously, away from home because none of those teams would ever play those games at Louisiana Tech's arena. Nobody nobody would go to Ruston voluntarily. Nope. You only go to Ruston if, if you're if you're forced to. And I don't mean that as a shot at Ruston, the city. <laughs> I mean that you don't want to play Louisiana Tech in a, in a, in a true road game. I hope that doesn't get misinterpreted. Um, yeah, I'm not picking against Louisiana Tech at home. I'll take the Bulldogs at home. I, too, am going to take the Bulldogs at home. I'm sorry, GP, but I have to. They'll have the best player on the floor, Kenneth Lofton, who's been... Love Kenny. I love Kenny Lofton. Kenny Lofton or Kenneth Lofton? I love them both. Love them very, both. very different athletes. Very, exactly. <laughs> one, one was a base stealer, and the other is 6'7", 275. But we love it, man. Jordan Walker, by the way, at UAB is a real baller as well. Don't want to shortchange him. He's he's quite good. This should be a, a fantastic game. Four Eastern on Saturday. But we do agree that Louisiana Tech is gonna is gonna get the win. As we wrap, I just want to note this one headline. Uh UConn has nine days now to find eleven million dollars to pay Kevin Ollie. So um Ollie won his arbitration case and he was fired in March twenty eighteen. Ollie is currently working and coaching with that overtime elite, but uh UConn lost. It's got I don't know what and like this is and good. And I'm glad they lost. I, I know, I know. But, but as a curious, I don't. I wonder where the hell they're getting. Now they're going to have to find the money and get the money. But uh, that's a hell of a lot of money to 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 find and pay out. And like, not literally, they have nine days to do this. But uh, the whole situation was, uh, you know, UConn tried to fire him for cause for NCAA violations, tried to get out from under it. This kind of case gets a lot of attention and curiosity in college athletic circles because, frankly, this kind of stuff like. ADs are going want to know if they can pull a fast one. They did. UConn was Dave, Dave Benedict was not able to do this at UConn. Kevin Ollie is going to get paid. He did have a nice statement that said he still like always will appreciate and love his alma mater and his UConn family, which is good. But this is a strained relationship, and it was really sad it went this way. But Kevin Ollie, pay that man his money. Right, you can't stand by Jim Calhoun all those years while NCAA violations are happening and then say you're firing Kevin Ollie for cause for what amounts to minor violations. Like, get out of here. Like he did a bad job after he won the national championship. I understand why they fired him, but like you had a contract and if you wanted to fire him without cause, which is the only reason you had to fire him for basketball reasons, then, um, then you got to pay me money. That's the way this stuff works. Next time, be smarter about who you're giving contracts to. So I'm glad Kevin's getting his money. Um, it, it was ridiculous. I mean, I understand UConn trying it, I guess, but it was always going to be a long shot, and uh, they deserve to to lose the case as it is. Yep. Where do you get $11 million? Maybe call Karan Butler. I don't know if that's going to happen. Maybe call a Mecca Okafor. Yeah. I don't know. Russ Steinberg in the chat. Shouts to Russ. One first place USBWA Writing Awards. Good to see you. Um, he says the Boneyard fundraiser coming. The Boneyard, classic UConn message board. Classic. You ever dip into the occasional message board, see what's going on there? No. <laughs> no? No, it does not. I don't have uh, the time or the interest. My experience I with... I do. 
The boneyard my, is the one exception. Like once a month, I'll just be like, what, the talk, what are they talking about the boneyard these days? So no, my experience with message boards. So I had to. I had to give him a shout there. His side gig is there's like a there's like a Memphis uh, Facebook page, Memphis basketball Facebook page. And people are like, oh, you got to go look at that. And I went in there like one time and it is wild. I mean, crazy people like have no idea what they're talking about. I was like, there is no way I'm spending my time doing this. So I just I'm out of all of it. Like uh, I see stuff on Twitter, but uh, you're not going to find me messing around on message boards too much or uh, or Facebook groups too much. I find it to be. Um, almost entirely a waste of time. Just makes you dumber, never smarter. Fair. Uh, before we get out of here, R.I.P. Meatloaf. You don't, you don't strike me as a Meatloaf fan, though. I'm aware that he existed. I know some of his big songs, but like, no, you, you're never going to find me like uh, walking through uh, Terminal B listening to Meatloaf on my AirPods. Um, died of COVID. Did he After- really? Yeah, after ranting against uh, about after ranting, spending months ranting against COVID uh, vaccine mandates, he died of COVID. So did that's, not realize uh, that was the case. Yeah. Is well, what what's always bothered me was he said he'd do anything for love, but he won't. He he wouldn't do that. What was that? What was what, the thing he wouldn't do for love? That? And you can't say I'll do anything, but I won't do that. And what was that? Munch. Getting vaccinated? Maybe it was vaccinated. Maybe it was vac- Maybe it was that vaccinated. Was legitimately great record, though. What Very would he not do for love? I don't know. That was Bond Bad Out of Hell 2, by the Has way. Has anybody ever figured out what Meatloaf would not do for love? He said, I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. What is that? Fill in the blank. Make that a wordle. Did you do today's wordle? Yes. Knocked it out at fifth try. Same. Five yeah. tries. What was your first word? Um, I, I, I saw an article where they were giving you all the great words to use first. Yeah. So I used one of those. I don't remember what it was. I mean, you don't remember what you used this morning. I can tell you. I mean, I can, I can look it up. Let me look it up. I started with group G R O U P. Started with your word. Let me see. I started with stare as in to look or to walk up to look S T A R E. And then I went with ruble ruble yeah and then i went with wrong and i'm going to stop there because i don't want to give it away right the the other day on radio i gave the word away and people were like legitimately mad at me yeah i told we told you this i know although i feel like once you get to like six o'clock at night time's up well this was a roughly this was roughly six o'clock at night time's up time's up at that point well that's what I thought too like you should have done your wordle already but then somebody was like I like to do wordle at dinner I like to sit down and have dinner and do wordle that's my routine you've ruined it for me and I was like well I'm sorry because I was like I, I, I shouldn't have done that but then I was like um change your routine yeah it's true you know, right, maybe, maybe. I'm gonna have something for you on the podcast on Sunday just so you know I can't wait for that what do we want to hey let's let's let people know right now though do we want to do another early one? Maybe squeeze it between the NFL games are like three and six thirty. Maybe get that. You want to do? There's no good. There's no, we're clear as early as four thirty Eastern. Do we Why don't we to- commit to this? You want to commit to this? What's we up? will start as soon as the first playoff game's over, or the first play. Now, let's start as soon as the first playoff game has been decided. Well, that that that's that's up for interpretation. Once we know it's over, it's over. If you're listening and you want to watch live on Sunday, we had very good live viewership on Sunday during the last playoffs. We're going to go head to head again. 
Let's go head to head with the NFL playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that, that worked so well. We're going head to head, man. Well, <laughs> yeah, we started a podcast on video and decided we'd go head to head with NFL playoff games. Genius. First college podcast ever to go to video and the first one to ever say, bring it on, NFL. Bring it on. So your window, if you're listening, if you're watching, if you want to watch us live, I'd, I'd say that window is going to be around 5 Eastern, 5.30 on Sunday, depending how close that Rams-Bucks game is uh, leading into the Sunday night game, which is also on CBS. That's Bills versus Chiefs. So there we go. We'll go heads up against Patrick Mahomes. I'm sure it'll work well for us. Nance and Romo against Parrish and Norlander. <laughs> Round two. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Jimison Morgan, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening to the Iron College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. We lost meatloaf. We did. Moment of imagine, silence. Imagine being an uh, international rock star. And you're named after just the most mediocre of protein dishes. I like meatloaf. Uh, get it out of here. Ooh, I get down with meatloaf. Uh, definitely don't. Definitely Ooh, do. I like meatloaf. I'm a pescatarian, and one of the five dishes most responsible for that decision that I made more than two decades ago, the meatloaf. Love meatloaf. I would never yeah. name myself meatloaf, but I, I do enjoy munching on meatloaf. His name is Robert Paulson, GP. Well, that's his problem. You know moment what? Of, you moment of silence. What? Robert Paulson. What about Robert him? Paulson was the character was was uh, the character in Fight Club in the scene with Meatloaf. Oh yeah, I don't remember that. Okay. I have no recollection. I mean, I'm, I have a recollection of Fight Club, but not of that specific thing. Although when I was reading about Meatloaf's untimely death earlier today, it did mention Fight Club. Moment of silence for meatloaf. Hey, guys. Oh, big gulps, huh? All right. Well, see you later. That was cruel. <laughs> no, it was just after the, it was after the moment of silence. That's all. Lost meatloaf to COVID. Too bad. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars at both places. You can write a review over at Apple. Please do. Say something nice. There's more of us than there are of them. That's been established. They can shame us if they like. But there's more of us than there are of them. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Easy to find. Type in Ion College Basketball Podcast on YouTube. Boom, pops right up. While you're watching an episode, please make sure to smash the like button. Brandon Davies would do it. He'd risk everything just to smash. He did it. You're not risking anything. So please do that for us. Make sure you get the alerts, notifications. That way you know exactly when we're getting ready to do what it is we do. And we will talk to you again on Sunday. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 